Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Ah, good morning, Voice America listeners, and welcome to Solutions and Strategies, taking on the challenge of Dr. Sean. Really really happy you could join us this morning. I've been away for a while. This is the first live show in about a month and a half, and just really happy to be back, dealing with a little medical, but all good now. Um, This morning's discussion will be on music therapy. Um, music therapy is the clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship by a credentialed professional who's completed an approved music therapy program. Um, on the show, we've continually tried to discuss different resources that are available to assist you in your daily challenges, also very specific resources for children with disabilities, adults with disabilities, and music therapy is a really huge program. I was in uh, Wichita, Kansas about, oh, two months ago and observed a class of adults, developmentally disabled adults, being taught music lessons and how much interaction and social togetherness and This this great collaboration took place, and you know these are individuals who may not be able to talk, but have the ability to make music, make music together, and enjoy themselves. And the person that um, I watched had been doing it for like forty years. So in the next couple weeks, I'm going to attempt to try and get her on the show. I'm not going to name names today, but going to try and get her on the show and see if uh, uh, we can do a little interview with her. So music therapy is one of those things. I've been a musician for 40 years and use music with my own clientele, but also with for myself to gain knowledge, to rebuild health, to secure my own psyche. And it's a way of using music to... Um, not only enjoy what you're listening to, but to get a, a physical or a feeling from the the music that you're listening to and that you're interacting with. Music is one of the expressive therapies, consisting of a process in which music therapists uses music in all of its facets, physical, emotional, mental, social, aesthetic, and even spiritual to help clients improve their physical and mental health. Music therapists primarily help clients improve their health in several domains, such as cognitive functioning, which has been my focus for 35 years as a psychologist, looking at the development of cognitive abilities and looking at cognitive losses and how we can rebuild those. Also motor skills, emotional development, communication, sensory issues, social skills, and just to try and build a quality of life by using both active and receptive music experiences, such as improvisation, recreation of composition, and listening and discussion of music to achieve treatment goals. 
there's a wide qualitative and quantitative research. Now, qualitative research, so you know, is more about like describing things, looking at something and, and writing a narrative around it so that you better understand it. You can see patterns, patterns of words, patterns of actions. In quantitative research, we're looking at numbers, we're looking at how somebody may relate to another person or we build up a norm group to compare to another group. So there is a wide qualitative and quantitative research literature base which incorporates psychotherapy, biomusicology, musical acoustics, musical theory, psychoacoustics, embodied music cognition, aesthetics of music, sensory integration, and comparative musicology. Some commonly found practices include developmental work, such as in communications and motor skills with individuals with special needs, songwriting and listening in reminiscent and orientation work with the elderly. I love that reminiscent work, you know, that you would be listening to music that brings you back to a time when maybe you were at your prime, and so it would motivate you to be more interactive. Um, processing and relaxation work, and rhythmic entertainment for physical rehabilitation and stroke victims. Music therapy is also used in some medical hospitals, cancer centers, school, alcohol and drug recovery programs, psychiatric hospitals, and correctional facilities. There is a, a pamphlet out about music therapy and the American Music Therapy Association, and it can be got from the American Music Therapy Association. Music therapy comes in two forms, and I kind of mentioned it already, active and receptive. In active therapy, the therapist and the patient actively participate in creating music with instruments, their voices, or other objects. This allows for the patient to be creative and expressive through the art of music. Receptive therapy takes place in a more relaxed setting, where the therapist plays or makes music to the patient who is free to draw or listen or meditate. Usually the therapist determines the method unless specifically requested by the patient. And there's different musics that work differently with different people. And so once the music therapist does do their receptive work, meaning putting out music for the person to listen to, they start to understand what music affects the person in what ways and, and start to use different types of music to have the best effect. Music has found to be an effective tool for a music therapist through extensive research. It is beneficial for the individual both physically and mentally. It improves heart rate, reduces anxiety, stimulates the brain, improves learning, and many other things. Music therapists use their techniques to help their patient in many areas, ranging from stress relief before and after surgeries to neuropathologies such as Alzheimer's disease. One study found that children who listen to music while, now this is really great, while, while having an IV inserted into their arm showed less distress and felt less pain than children who did not listen to music while having the NIV inserted. It's a big deal. It's like, you know, kids get very frightened getting shots. So isn't that interesting that the music alone allowed them to relax enough to take the shot better? 
Studies have been carried out on patients diagnosed with different mental disorders, such as anxiety, depression, and schizophrenia. There has been a visible improvement in their mental health after the therapy. Approaches used in music therapy that have emerged from the field of music education include the Orff Schulwerk method, the Delacruz Eurythmics, and the Kodai method. Models that develop directly out of music therapy are neurological mu music therapy, the Nordoff Robbins music therapy, and the Bonnie method of guided imagery in music. Now, these are going to be three methods that we're going to talk about today, and we will um, <clears throat> try to I'll try to explain them in a way that leads towards maybe a intervention that you could utilize yourself. But different things that I'm going to be talking about, uh, use them to your advantage to uh, tweak them up a bit to use with the person that you want to do the music therapy with. Music therapists may work with individuals who have behavioral and emotion dis emotional disorders. This is kind of my field, working with a lot of behavioral and emotional disorders. To meet the needs of this population, music therapists have taken psychological theories and used them as a basis for different types of music therapy. Different models include behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychodynamic therapy. The therapist has an ongoing responsibility to evaluate the content to the extent oh, I'm sorry. The therapist has an ongoing responsibility to evaluate the extent to which the client is achieving the goals of therapy and whether the method of therapy being used are helpful or hindering the client. So it's really important that the therapists start right from the beginning evaluating whether or not the music therapy is working, what type of music is working for the client, and whether it's seeming to make benefit or is it actually hindering. It might be bringing up things for the client that they can't handle. So music therapy is a tool in for the therapist, but not a standalone tool. It's not like the therapist just turns on the music and walks away. This is something that they use within the therapeutic setting. One therapy model uh, based on neuroscience is called the neurological music therapy. And it's based on neuroscience model of music perception and production and the influence of music on functional changes in the non-musical brain and behavioral functions. In other words, NMT, which again is neurological music therapy, NMT studies how the brain is without music and how the brain is with music measures the difference and uses these differences to cause changes in the brain through music that will eventually affect the client non-musically. As Michael Thought put it, the brain that engages in music is changed by engaging in music. Again, let me say that. The brain that engages in music is changed by engaging in music. NMT trains motor responses such as tapping of a foot or fingers or head movements to better help the client develop motor skills and help them entrain the timing of muscle activity patterns. So one of the things that goes on in music therapy is a lot of taking the music and seeing how the body responds to the music, either through the use of foot tapping, finger tapping, body movement, 
But the idea is to engage the person in in the music so that their motor skills develop and they start to develop muscle memories or, or motor memories around the music so that when the music turns on, it's kind of Pavlovian in that, remember Pavlov used to feed his dog and he would ring a bell every time he fed the dog and eventually he could just ring the bell and the dog would start to salivate because they would think it was being fed. Well, the same thing, when the music comes on, when the music starts, it is this ability to train the body to relax and to react to the music in the way that we want to so that it assists us. Okay, so we've come to our first break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes and we'll continue our discussion of music therapy, um, looking at the approaches used with children. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. Much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be, and our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. I hope you had a chance to grab yourself a cup of coffee and sitting down to listen to the rest of the show this morning. Uh, we've been talking about music therapy, and the last thing I was talking about is how music therapists will engage the client in different techniques so that when they hear music, their bodies react in certain ways so that it will either relax them, distress them, or work towards the goal that the 
the uh, uh, music therapist had. And what I mean even further by that is if the music therapist is going to create an environment that sets a certain tone for an emotion, and once that tone is set, then music may be played around it so that when that music is heard, that same feeling comes back. So I want to talk now a little bit about some approaches with children and using music therapy. The the Nordoff Robbins music therapy method, which was started by Paul Nordoff at Juilliard, he was a Juilliard school graduate and professor of music. He was a pianist and a composer who, upon seeing disabled children respond so positively to music, he gave up his academic career to further investigate the possibility of music as a means of therapy. Now, he got together with Clive Robbins. Clive Robbins was a special educator. He uh, partnered with Nordoff for over for 20 years in the exploration and research of music and how it affects disabled children. First, they started in the United Kingdom, and then... They came to the U.S. in the 1950s and 1960s. Their pilot project included placements at care units for autistic children and child psychiatry departments, where they put programs in place for children with mental disorders, emotional disturbance, developmental delays, and other handicaps. So it was really like the first time, you know, that, again, in the 1950s, just like was going on with other civil rights movements. It was really the first time that people with disabilities began to to have rights. And there was something called the Wyatt-Stickney Act. And the Wyatt-Stickney Act basically said that, hey, no longer can you just put people in hospitals and do custodial care for them, meaning that just cleaning up people and feeding them and dressing them you had to give them some level of an education, some level of a training, so that they could be a productive member of society. And so this came out of the 1950s and 60s, eventually becoming a, a law for special education students in the early 1970s. So, again, their pilot, pilot project included placements at care units and psychiatric departments because that's where the kids were. They weren't there was no outpatient. There weren't therapists out in the in the community that were able to work with kids with heavy duty emotional disturbance. And it was just the, the, the way of the time to put kids into hospital settings. So Robbins and Nordiff went into uh, these places and they they had a lot of success. Their success at establishing a means of communication and relationship with autistic children. And they did this at the University of Pennsylvania. And it really gave rise to the National Institute of Health's first grant given on this nature, which was a five-year study, a five-year study into music therapy, a music therapy project for psychotic children under seven at the daycare center involved research, publication, training, and treatment. Several publications came from it, including therapy and music for handicapped children, creative music therapy, music therapy and special education, as well as instrumental and songbooks for children were released during this time. Nordoff and Robbins' success became known globally in the mental health community, and they were invited to share their findings and offer trainings of an international tour that lasted for several years. 
Funds were granted to support their founding, the founding of the Nordoff Robbins Music Therapy Center in Great Britain. And that was opened in 1974, where a one-year graduate program for students was implemented. In the early 80s, a center was opened in Australia, and, and various programs and institutes for music therapy were founded in Germany and other countries. In the United States, the Nordoff Robbins Center for Music Therapy was established at New York University in 1989 and is still running strong. Um, there's, there are a lot of good music therapy programs out there. Uh, I'm very proud to say that Cal State Northridge, which is a local university, um, has an excellent music program. So if you're in the Southern California area, you might think about going to Cal State Northridge for their music therapy program. The Nordoth Robbins approach, based on the belief that everyone is capable of finding meaning in in, in and benefiting from musical experience is now practiced by hundreds of therapists internationally. It focuses on treatment through the creation of music by both therapist and client. Various techniques are used to accommodate all capabilities so that even the most low-functioning and the most challenged individuals are able to participate actively. Now, let's talk a little bit about the ORF music therapy. It's also called ORF Schulwerk. Schulwerk, S-C-H-U-L-W-E-R-K, that's schoolwork in German. So ORF, who was a composer, uh, had a theory attributed to him by his daughter, Gertrude. ORF schoolwork, or schulwerk, developed by Gertrude ORF, at the Kindesantrium in, in Munich, which was a kindergarten school, is another approach known as the ORF music therapy. Both the clinical setting of social pediatrics as well as the ORF schoolwork approach in music therapy was developed by German composer Karl ORF. Influenced this method, which is used with children with developmental problems, delays, and disabilities. The area of social pediatrics was developed after the Second World War in Germany by Theodore Holbridge, who understood that medicine alone could not meet the complex needs of developmentally disabled children. Now, I just want to quickly take a, a step to the side for a second and talk about this word, social pediatrics. In our behavioral world, we have something that's called social validity, and I've talked about it on, on the show before. Social validity is the idea that the, the behavioral program that you're putting into place is there to help the person's bigger life, that it's going to help them and it's going to help them in society, thus it's going to help society also. With the idea of social pediatrics, it's the same kind of concept. It's an idea that by developing children's needs, you're helping society become a better social being in itself. The area of social pediatrics was developed again after the Second World War, and Helbridge consulted psychologists, occupational therapists, and other mental health professionals whose knowledge and skills could aid in the diagnostic and treatment of children. 
Gertrude Orff was asked to develop a form of therapy based on the Orff schoolwork approach to support the emotional and developmental needs of patients. Elements found in both music therapy and education approaches include a holistic music presentation as involving word, sound, and movement. The use of both music and play improvisation as providing a creative stimulus for a child to investigate and explore. So again, with the ORF, it's kind of this holistic music method where you're using different words and sounds and moving your body and you're using music to be creative and to explore different aspects of your personality. ORF instrumentation, including keyboard instruments and percussion instruments as the means of participation and interaction in the therapeutic setting. And lastly, the multisensory aspect of music used by therapists is to meet the particular needs of the child, such as feeling and hearing sound. I, I had said at the beginning of the show that I was in Wichita, Kansas, observing a music program. And the music therapist sat behind the piano playing songs that the children were, excuse me, the young adults were given percussion instruments and there was no wrong interaction. The adults could play any rhythm they wanted to along with the music and eventually, even though there was a lot of what we might call dissonance in the beginning, between the music and the the percussion, about five, six minutes into playing, all of a sudden there was this collaboration that occurred where all people were playing together, the rhythms were together. So it allowed the participation at whatever level the person was able to participate at without judgment, without... (coughs) excuse me, making the person feel that they were incapable. And what I saw in that room were big smiles, interactions of people that didn't usually maybe want to interact together, and absolutely zero behavioral issues for being at a school and a placement that was all about behavioral problems. So the music therapy introduced a sense of self-assurance. It introduced a way of the individuals feeling capable of interacting with others, maybe in something that they didn't feel so comfortable with in the beginning. It really demonstrated this humanistic care that the therapists and teachers had for the adults with developmental disabilities because they didn't give up on them. They allowed them to play and do whatever was comfortable for them and and in whatever way worked for them. And there, again, there was no judgment around it. So what happened at the end was that you had a group of people walking out of this room onto their next activity of the day, motivated, interested, and really wanting to interact with others, to continue the interactions. So it worked really well. 
Okay, well, we've come to our second break, so we'll be back in a couple minutes, and we'll continue our discussion on music therapy. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. So if you are interested, you know, call in and ask some questions or talk to us about music therapy this morning. Um, might be able to answer something that uh, we haven't yet discussed. We've been talking about how music therapy is utilized with children and adults, how it's utilized with individuals with developmental disabilities. But specifically what I was getting at before the break is this idea that music when introduced to an individual can be very low demand and, and very high motivation. You know, it can be a very high interest area and not something that somebody necessarily has to have past experience with. But allowing the person to create music, to develop their own skills, it's very humanistic. And it does. It's a correspond. It corresponds with the attitudes of humanistic psychology. What is the developmental potential of a child? Okay, as 
in the knowledge of their strengths as well as their handicaps and the importance of the therapist-child relationship are central factors in the ORF music method. And that's what we've been discussing. It's a particular type of music therapy. In the ORF music therapy, ther- theoretical foundations are also influenced by the strong emphasis on social integration and the, the involvement of parents in the therapeutic process found in social pediatrics. Knowledge of developmental psychology puts into perspective how developmental disabilities influence the child, as do their social and familiar environments. The basis for interaction in this method is known as responsive as the responsive interaction, in which the therapist meets the child at their level and responds according to initiatives combining both humanistic and developmental psychology philosophies. Involving the parents in this type of interaction by having them participate directly or observe the therapist's techniques equips the parent with the ideas of how to interact appropriately with their child, thus fostering a positive parent-child relationship. Now, let me talk about something a little bit different. There was a man by the name of Stanley Greenspan, and Stanley Greenspan, Dr. Greenspan, uh, was a psychiatrist, developmental psychologist, um, worked for many, many years on the East Coast, was known throughout the world for a particular type of therapy called floor time. And floor time is a social interaction between parent and child or adult and child and that builds communication skills, builds motor skills by allowing the child to develop their own interactive skills, not forcing things on them and allowing them to foster their own relationship. And what we found through floor time is that relationships are built through this non-threatening way of allowing the child to beat to their own drum so that you are following what the child does rather than the child always following what what you tell them to do. Thus, the motivation is higher for the child to interact and better communication skills are, are seen. And what we attempt to do in floor time is develop what are called circles of communication. So if I say hi, then we want the other person to say back hi. And then I might say, how are you? And the person will say something else in response to that. So the back and forth of the communication are these circles. When I say something that you understand and you respond back to it, a circle of communication has been met. In music therapy, we're attempting to build those circles of communication also. We're attempting to develop the child's skills so that they are able to socially interact through their motor skills and through their their social abilities such as communication. So it's very similar, the ORTH method to floor time. So if you are listening and you have some awareness around floor time, maybe you have a child with autism that's gone through floor time therapy, the ORF method is very similar in that it allows a child to beat to his own drum, that that child is the guiding force, not the therapist. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about imagery in music. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about the Bonnie method of guided imagery. 
Music educator and therapist Helen Lindquist Bonney, born in 1921 and died in 2010, developed a, an approach influenced by humanistic and transpersonal psychological views known as the Bonney Method of Guided Imagery in Music, or GIM. Guided imagery refers to a technique used to develop, used in, sorry, used in natural and alternative medicine that involves using mental imagery to develop, to help with the physiological and psychological ailments of the patient. The practitioner often suggests a relaxing and focusing image and through the use of imagination and discussion, aims to find constructive solutions to manage their problems. Bonnie applied the, this psychotherapeutic method to the field of music therapy by using music as a means of guiding the patient to a higher state of consciousness where the healing and the constructive self-awareness can take place. Music, the music itself, is considered a co-therapist because of its importance. GIM, guided imagery, with children can be used in one in a one-on-one or in group settings and involves relaxation techniques, identification, and sharing of personal filling states, and improvisation to discover the self and foster growth. The choice of music is carefully selected for the client based on their musical preference and the goals of the session, usually a classical piece. It must reflect the age and the intentional abilities of the child in length and genre, and a full explanation of exercises must be offered at their level of understanding. The use of guided imagery with autistic children has been found to decrease stereotypical behaviors, that might be things like hand flapping or repetitive movements, and to decrease hyperactivity while increasing attention and the ability to follow instructions as well as increase initiated communication both verbal and nonverbal. So with guided imagery, you're you're able to use images, connect music to those images and begin to develop a relaxation methodology that the individual can use later. Again, with the idea that when being taught the imagery in connection with the music, later, with the music alone, you would get that same feeling that you got when you were engaging in the imagery. So, it's a very interesting way of teaching a person to self-regulate and to be able to self-initiate some techniques that will help them when they're stressed out. And this is something that you can do too. You get yourself into a very relaxed state by observing a picture or something or of a place that you've enjoyed in the past. Put on music that is comforting to you while you're looking at the image. Then, Eventually, what would occur is that when you hear that music, that image will pop into your head and start to create the same relaxation methodology that was there during the therapeutic session. I luckily have been able to play a lot of instruments in my life, and one of the newest instruments that I 
have taken on is the harpsichord. And I have been playing it for a couple years now. Very, very new still at it. But one of the things about the harpsichord versus the piano is that when you sit down at the piano, it's got a lot of volume. You have pedals that can extend your sound. You have pedals that can soften your sound. You, a lot of playing piano is about entertaining others. However, when you play harpsichord, you have to be in tune to how much pressure you're putting down on the keys, which manual, which means which keyboard you're using, the upper or the lower. You have to pull out different levers in order to make different sounds occur. There's no pedals, there's no volume control except for your fingers. So it's much more about the instrument and interacting with the instrument than it is purely about just playing. A lot of people discuss the harpsichord as what's called a Calvinistic instrument, meaning that in the Calvinistic period, you moved away from self-glorification to more of a glorification for a bigger purpose out there, God or whatever you want to call it. And with the harpsichord, I'm able to sit down on a very stressful day, set up the harpsichord in the way that I want it used, begin to play, and because I'm doing so many different things while I'm playing, I'm having to move different levers, I'm having to move different chords, because I have to do that, I find that the stress quickly goes away because I'm engaging my brain in other things. I'm moving away from thinking only of the stressful situation and moving more into a relaxed mode. So then, now, truly, when I feel stressed, I can think about myself sitting at the harpsichord, preparing a piece, and even playing through it in my head, which will bring me relaxation and less stress. So it's a very interesting way of de-stressing and it uses music as a way, as a catalyst, to release things that are going on inside. And now, also, when I just hear harpsichord music, I'm able to go back to that place of relaxation and less stress. So one fed another. And so I don't always have to be playing. I can also be listening. So... This is a therapeutic method that I have used to assist in my own daily challenges and something that you might think about, picking up an instrument and just beginning to play. Okay, we're at our next break time, so we will, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the assessment of music therapy. Okay, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. 
At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back to our last segment. We've got about 10, 15 minutes left of the show. And so uh, we've been talking about music therapy this morning and different types of therapy that's used with in music, the ORF method, the Bonnie imagery method, the Robbins-Nordoff method, all different methods that are utilized with either children or individuals with developmental disabilities. Um, I talked about a class that I was observing in Wichita uh, that really engaged the all all class members and and I did talk with the teacher before and she does do a little bit of an assessment on each student before just to see what their overall abilities are like so let's talk a little bit about that so when a music therapist does an assessment it's pretty involved it includes it obtaining a full medical history a musical ability to duplicate a melody or identify changes in rhythm, and non-musical functioning such as social and physical and motor ability. So the person's got to like, the therapist needs to know, like, what can this person do? Do they have any understanding of music yet? Music is instinctual. You don't have to be taught to enjoy music. You have to be exposed to music. You have to be exposed to different types so that you know what they are. Okay, so once you're exposed and you do have an understanding of what different types of music are, can you read notes? Can you follow rhythms? Can you play an instrument? Can you play percussion? What is your rhythmic ability like? Is it challenging because of maybe some neurological issues that you may have? 
So the overall functioning, and then you want to know, like, what is the person's non-musical functioning like, like their social abilities and their ability to interact with others? What are they physically capable of doing and what are they physically incapable or demonstrate a lot more challenges around? So one interesting thing that I found that I want to talk about kind of in length, and it might be the last thing we talk about today, um, is how... Uh, music therapy has been used with premature infants. I thought this was so interesting. Premature infants are those that are born 37 weeks or less in the gestational period. They are subject to numerous health risks, such as abnormal breathing patterns. Okay, I'm going to stop for one second. When I'm reading this, I want you to also think about your stress. And when you have stress, what does your body do? It has difficulty, your heart may race, you might have challenges breathing, you might have difficulty focusing. So while I'm reading about these premature infants, I want you to be thinking also about your own self and, and in particular stress and how stress might be related to something that I'm talking about. Okay, so Again, born 37 weeks or less in gestational stage, they are subject to numerous health risks such as abnormal breathing patterns, decreased body fat, muscle tissue and muscle tissue as well as feeding issues. The coordination for sucking and breathing is often not fully developed, making feeding a challenge. The improved developmental activity and behavioral status of premature infants when they are discharged from the NICU is directly related to the stimulation programs and interventions they have benefited from during their hospital hospitalization, such as music therapy. Music is typically conducted by music therapists in the neonatal intensive care unit, or the NICU, with five main techniques designed to benefit premature infants. Okay, one, live or recorded music. Live or recorded music has been effective in promoting respiratory regularity and oxygen saturation levels, as well as decreasing signs of neonatal distress. Since premature infants have sensitive and immature sensory modalities, music is often performed in a gentle and controlled environment. either in the form of an audio recording or live vocalization. Although live singing has been shown to have a greater effect, live music also reduces physiological responses in parents. Studies have shown that by combining live music, such as a heart music, with the kangaroo care, which is a way of wrapping the child, maternal anxiety is reduced. This allows for the parents, especially mothers, to spend important time bonding with their premature infants. Female singing voices are also more effective at soothing premature infants. Despite being born premature, infants show a preference for the sound of a female singing voice, making it more beneficial than instrumental music. Secondly, Promotion of healthy sucking reflex. By a pacifier-activated lullaby device, music therapists can help promote stronger sucking reflexes while also reducing pain perception for the child. There's something that's called the gate gatto box. And the gatto box is a small rectangular instrument 
that stimulates prenatal the prenatal heartbeat. I'm sorry, it stimulates a prenatal heartbeat sound in a soft, rhythmic manner that also has been effective in aiding sucking behaviors. The, and of course, you do the sucking behaviors for breastfeeding the, or bottle feeding. The music therapist uses their fingers to tap on a drum rather than using a mallet. The rhythm supports movements when feeding and promotes healthy sucking patterns. By improving sucking patterns, babies are able to coordinate an important dual mechanisms of breathing, sucking, and swallowing needed to feed, thus promoting growth and weight gain. When this treatment proves effective, infants are able to leave the hospital earlier. Third, the multimodal stimulation in music. By combining music such as lullabies and multimodal stimulation, premature infants are discharged from the NICU sooner, and those infants who do not receive therapy than those infants that do not receive therapy. Multimodal stimulation, MMS, includes the application of auditory, tactile, vestibular, visual stimulation that helps in the premature, helps that premature infant develop. The combination of music and MMS helps the premature infant sleep and conserve, conserve vital energy. Fourth, infant stimulation. This type of intervention uses musical stimulation to compensate for the lack of normal activity. So it allows the child to get some stimulation, but at the same time, it reduces the risk factor for failure to thrive, which is when a kid just doesn't have the motivation and energy to eat and do what he needs to in order. And lastly, you have this wonderful bonding, parent-infant bonding, therapist work, with the parents so that they perform an infant direct singing techniques as well as home care. Singing lullabies therapeutically can promote relaxation and decrease heart rates in, in premature infants. By calming premature babies, it allows them to preserve their energy, which creates a stable environment for growth. Lullabies such as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or other culturally relevant lullabies have been shown to greatly soothe babies. These techniques can also improve overall sleep, caloric intake, feeding behaviors which aid in the development of the baby while they are still in the NICU. Singing has also shown a greater result in improving oxygen levels for children. So music therapy has a lot of different aspects that can assist and help. And next week we will continue our discussion. We're at the end of our show today, but we will continue our discussion on music therapy and how it assists kids and what the benefits are for both children and adults with developmental disabilities. I really want to thank you for joining me today. I'm really happy to be back after six weeks of being away. And remember that on Strategies and Solutions, taking on the challenge with Dr. Sean, we're about your success and know that each day can be a new future you dream of having in your life. See you next time. Blessings. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.